0: quick PSA for our listeners who are US citizens, the 2020 election season is now upon us and it is so important that you make your voice be heard. Please go to www.vote.org to find out all voting information you might need and be sure to vote early. Again, that website is www.vote.org. Plan your vote and enjoy the show. Computer, initialize Hollow Suite Media. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. I'm your host, Christopher D. Littlefield, and with me today is the new Dr. Nicholas Paul Collinson, co-host of the Vedic Assembly. Nick, how are you today, and congrats. Thank
1: you. Thanks, Chris, for having me. Um, Yeah, it feels really good. I know that I've had uh, quite a few points recently where I've been like, I've got my passing grade for my thesis. I'm a doctor now, but I just got the actual like official doctoral conferral uh email just a couple of days ago that specifically had the line in it you can now use the title doctor. So <laughs> that was really really sweet.
0: That's awesome. That is so cool. You know, I've never podcasted with a doctor before. Oh, wow. So now I feel like there's a little bit more pressure now. <laughs> it's yeah it's a
1: first time doctor
0: podcaster (laughs) oh nice thank you thank you for that (laughs) oh well it's really good to have you back on you were here during a lower decks episode
1: yes that was really fun
0: uh yes oh which episode was that I don't know, but I remember that there was like a, some, something sexist in a comment, potentially, oh, or something. Yes. No, I remember <laughs> Involving that. Involving Mariner. Yeah. Big yeah. surprise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, today we're reading and discussing your comments on People of Earth, the third episode of Season 3 of Disco. Open Channel is dedicated to facilitating the fan conversation about every new Trek episode as it drops and other things we like to talk about. To join the conversation on Facebook, type The Nexus into the search field and join Holosuite Media's listeners group. Follow us on Twitter at Open Channel Trek. I'll post an Open Channel conversation thread when each new episode drops. Leave your questions, comments, concerns, and they just might get read on the air. Keep in mind that comments might be edited for time. All right, Nick, what are you thinking of Season 3 so far? I'm
1: really, really enjoying it. Um, I was... A little bit hesitant at the end of season two when they made the big jump to the future, I think like a few people, I wasn't sure where it was going to go, and I wasn't sure what I thought about the idea of this future where you know, the Federation seems to have collapsed or something not right has happened. But so far, everything they've done has just kind of allayed any of the fears that I would have had. You know. Um, oh, good. It was. The one thing that I was mostly afraid of was that it would have been like the Federation had kind of become corrupted and collapsed from within, which is clearly isn't what has happened. Right. And even though they've had all of these external events that have forced them to retreat and to kind of decrease in number, the core of the Federation seems to still be there, which is what I'm really excited about.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm it's excited there. to hear what everyone else thinks. All right. Well, let's get to it. Go ahead. Yeah, all right. So our first comment, um, this one, is from Paloma Bennett. The Federation is alive and well. I loved seeing Commander Michael Burnham and Captain Saru forcing the United Earth Force and when to actually speak to each other. Diplomacy is
0: vital. Mm-hmm. That was a moment. That was a deep moment for me. It was just a, a very strong classic Star
1: Trek moment. Getting yeah. the two sides who've been you know, fighting for, I don't know, generations, I guess, to just sit down and talk. Yeah. It was was a very, like, classic Picard next generation kind of uh,
0: moment, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Thanks, Paloma. It's always good to hear from you. Kirstie Keane, who's back, says, such an emotional episode. Loved the character beats, of which there were many hope we see more of book and grudge captain saru it's about freaking time well kirstie i'm sure we'll see book and grudge again and yes we have we have our captain it's you it's so good so good
1: yeah i was so glad like saru just embodies all of those all of the ideals of like a great star trek captain of a starfleet captain
0: And yet so unlike any of the other ones that we've ever seen before, right?
1: Yeah, I think it obviously comes from his, I guess, presumably having to conquer that inherent fear that has been so much a part of him and his character for, you know, everything leading up to, you know, going through the Vahari in that
0: last season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we talked a lot about this on What the Future Holds, the Discovery show, which will come out tomorrow, which is Tuesday. And this episode, of course, comes out on Monday. So I won't get too deep into it today but there's so much to talk about with this episode especially i think okay so mickey gunter
1: says dot dots everywhere felt more like a star trek episode
0: than most of the disco episodes up to now <laughs> mickey you don't think the other episodes were as star Trekky? i've never heard her say that before but okay sure
1: yeah i i know that a lot of people have just been like "Ah, oh, discovery doesn't really feel like star trek to me i mean and if that's I, I can personally say that about the the Kelvin timeline films. I like them. They're fine. They don't feel like what I consider, like, very Star trek So I totally get that sometimes something just doesn't yeah. feel right. But it's really good to see comments from people who feel that way, but are still watching it and still right. enjoying it, getting involved in the conversation. And that, you know, uh, that Mickey is um, finding things to like and it is starting to feel more like Star Trek to them. So,
0: yeah. We're winning people in. Mickey's an awesome person, so I, I like to hear what she has to say. Oh, good. I actually had a little moment with somebody that just started watching Discovery in a DM. And they said, I just watched the first several episodes of Discovery. And I was like, oh. And they said, it's not Star Trek, but I like it. And I was like, <gasps> it literally says Star Trek in the title. <laughs> and then they were the guy was like, oh, well, they just don't act like Star Trek people. And I'm like and And my next response was, "I'm not having this conversation <laughs> <laughs> oh, i I've had a um
1: a couple of similar interactions. I have one uh a friend who is who is an absolutely lovely guy but is very very into the, like the kind of nerdy minutia and stuff, so I think he has a bit of a problem with you know the Klingons looking different and the the different setting and stuff. oh God but he really enjoys watching the show and you know he enjoys listening to me on podcasts as well, which is really fun it's, it's, oh good. It's always kind of weird having friends of mine being like, oh, I listened to you. It was really nice. Oh, uh, yeah, that's really cool. I do have another friend who's uh, watching through Discovery and really loving it and just occasionally sending me DMs of different things, kind of almost live tweeting it. And, oh, what did she send me? It was basically something like, oh, my God, Saru, I haven't cried this hard at a TV show before. And I was just like, you're watching the episode with the big sphere in
0: it, aren't you? She's like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Um, And then I had another friend that is super old school Trekkie, too, and resisted Discovery. And I was just like, give it a chance. Watch it. And he got through seasons one and two in like less than a month and Hmm. was like crying during If Memory Serves and was just saying like, oh, my God, this is like the most Star Trek episode I've ever seen. Blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, everyone's got their opinions. Opinions are like assholes and everybody's got one. (laughs) Oh yeah everyone has one all right rob vaughn on twitter says i've loved discovery since the start thanks rob me too but this new season has elevated it even more as i said last week the true trek vibe is now shining through but earth not part of the federation yeah they've taken they seem to have taken a hiatus
1: Mm, i like this uh this little detail, you know, the Earth is still there and it seems to be kind of thriving on its own. And it's like Earth has become quite isolationist and is not right. the center of the Federation anymore. Because I always kind of wondered what would happen to like Starfleet and the Federation if Earth weren't
0: part of it anymore. Yeah, it's almost it's almost reminiscent of some things that are happening in our world right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> in various countries. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. oh, thanks, Rob. We'll see what happens. I think that Earth will be back, and I think Earth will be back hard. I think so too. Yeah. You can take the Earth out of the Federation, but you can't take the Federation out of Earth. (laughs) I don't know.
1: No, that's really good. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. Yeah. Rebecca Skipper says, love this episode. Felt like Discovery is finally like the trek of TOS and TNG with a lot of mystery and wonderful character moments that helped ease the sadness i felt about earth in the 32nd century
0: okay nice rebecca rebecca's yeah. a little bit more of the critical commenters which i totally appreciate i love them all and i like that i like that you're feeling a tie in back to the older shows yeah and i mean
1: i've i've definitely felt throughout discovery that of the previous series that it's most similar to at least kind of thematically is deep space 9 because it does have that you know the first season is about the war and it's got much more of the slightly darker aspects of it um hmm. yeah so it's nice that people are starting to see that tie to the that really kind of bright optimistic you know original series next generation era kind of stuff
0: well I mean, darkness and lightness exist simultaneously, Oh yeah. you know, like there's n- like we all have both aspects inside of us. So mm. I don't know. I mean, I yeah. I I don't know that like when people say that it's got a more a darker tone, I'm not sure that I feel that because to me it just feels more realistic and maybe that is also because we are in a darker timeline right now. Yeah. But to me, it just feels like right on.
1: Yeah. I actually, like, I, I totally feel the same way, really. Like, um, I understand why people see it as kind of having a darker tone. But, you know, for me, even with season one of Discovery being all about the Klingon war and having a lot of that kind of violence and the background of, you know the the horrible death toll and everything what we saw was the crew maintaining kind of this sense of federation ideals and camaraderie and that optimism of of getting through it and getting through it by you know doing things the right way you know not by stooping to the level of like klingon tactics you know they they nearly you know, that plan in the final episode of season one is, is almost to commit genocide on the mm-hmm. Klingon homeworld, but they sort of fight back against that and say, no, this isn't who we are. This isn't how we're right. going to win. So right. that that's like the most Star Trek thing out of any Star Trek, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, you know, you can't define the light without darkness and you can't define darkness without the light, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, exactly. I just think they both they both must exist. Yeah. your doctorate is showing off your (laughs) I'm teasing Uh, Noe Santos says cake is eternal such a fantastic emotional episode biggest cry point out of many was seeing the disco crew finally reunited and then there's the weeping crying emoji this episode drew so many parallels with our present world and how we feed our own conflicts and problems by not communicating and understanding the real issues Maybe Battlestar Galactica got it right with, it's happened before, it will happen again. Really interesting Oof. thought there. Yeah. We feed our own conflicts and problems by not communicating and understanding the real issues. I like that. I'm going to think about that a lot today. Yeah, that is... Mm, that's very pressing. <laughs> it's very...
1: Uh, I feel like that's that could be applied to... The vast majority of the uh, conflicts and problems that we're seeing mm. in the world today.
0: Yeah, and I have not. No, we can. I confess, I have not seen the new Battlestar Galactica. It's on my list. I just, I just haven't seen it yet. Same. <laughs> I've
1: seen bits of it, but not all of it.
0: And speaking about the crying, like I had, I wrote, I had ten cry points in this episode. Wow. I'm serious. Like I wrote them all down, and definitely. The one that Noe mentioned is one of them when we see the, them reunited with Michael. But there were, they were just sprinkled throughout. I was like, I had misty eyes throughout the majority of the episode, and then there were just moments when I just like tears welled up. Yeah, the the biggest one for me is still um, from
1: the end of the first episode um, where they're they're on the um, Federation relay station with um oh my god uh, Aditya Sahil yes um, which that is just was like. Oh, I would be honored to for you to
0: be my communications officer. Just like that look of 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 joy in his heart, that just oh. fed my soul. I just yep. felt that so hard.
1: Where are we? Ah, oh, okay. And uh, Suzanne Williamson says I cried a lot during this episode. So many reasons. The main one was the way Saru looked at Michael before he hugged her. So much love there, Captain Saru. All I can say is it is about time. Cake is eternal. I've been saying this for years. The reveal of Wen's face (laughs) when uh, when Giorgio his mask made me scream. It was the Swede from Hell on Wheels. What? Did you recognize him? I I have seen a little bit of Hell on Wheels. Um, I watched uh, a little bit of it with my dad because he's a big fan of old westerns. And I just remember that character. I remember that introduction because this guy, he says, they called me the Swede. i am norwegian
0: so brandy knows all about all about the actor and they had to school me a little bit oh okay
1: i Mm. i don't know much else about the actor i don't know if i've seen anything else that he's been in um but just seeing and i didn't recognize him from that but seeing suzanne's comment i i remembered that character from watching the first few episodes of that show
0: Mm. see i'm only one episode in yeah I, need I think to he ends up in episode two or three, maybe. Okay, okay. And Suzanne, of course, is one of our hosts on The Janeway mm-hmm. and Boldly Go, which is going to be about Strange New Worlds, which is about Strange New Worlds. Uh, and they're just doing a bunch of fun shows before the series starts. All right, our friend Baz Greenland says, Lots of lovely character beats. Loving how the narrative is being driven by the characters adjusting to the future. Michael's sense of distance after a year apart, Saru navigating the role of captain, Tilly's loss at those left behind in the past. These moments really made the episode. Oh, and Giorgio as Admiral? Of course she is. Of course she is, yeah. Yeah, these character moments were great. They really hit a lot of things in this episode. It was such a good episode for
1: even just the really little character things little interactions between different characters oh yeah and just the that moment when kind of the enormity of the loss of everyone and everything from their past just kind of dawns on Tilly uh and she and Michael have that beautiful moment with the hug and she's just like I love your hair
0: oh I love I love their interaction and I love that it's changing she's having to relearn Her relationship with everyone and everyone is having to relearn their relationship with her Uh, i think that's beautiful that's so good and there's loss there too you know not just what they left behind but there's loss in that relationship because the relationships that they had are now forever changed Mm. yeah give me my doctorate
1: (laughs) (laughs) reading some of these comments i feel like uh, a lot of these people would uh deserve doctorates of philosophy i know right we have some very very smart um commenters in our little group i
0: know i
1: know speaking of which uh hui says disco is continuing its great start to season three it's too bad it took the destruction of the federation for someone to finally invest in a planetary shield for earth (laughs) i know right (laughs) The episode left me wanting to know a lot more about what Michael had to do in that year as a courier. Right? Yeah. I'm really interested to to know that as well. Especially where she's kind of alluding to have having to have done some not shady. so great things. Yeah, yeah. A few sort of
0: shady things. I mm. I bet well, I hope we get some flashbacks, but I mm. it would make a really good novel. Oh,
1: I bet that's going to be on the cards. That's I really love what they're, what they're doing for the tie-in novels with the new series. If it's not, you know, like a a relaunch, what happens after kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, we're getting all of these prequels.
0: Yeah, in and, in and, in and around and about and behind. Yeah, before. Yeah. yeah. Nice, Kyung. Well, J.J. Becker, one of our illustrious thinkers, says, This was an excellent 48 minutes of television. It was engaging and exciting without leaning on the fast-paced, west-wing walk-and-talk pew-pew action style that has become what I expect from Discovery. Every moment, though, was chock-full of examples of exactly what I have come to expect from Star Trek. We get a Trill symbiont, existential despair, and sci-fi all-star Christopher Heyerdahl. I think it's Heyerdahl or Heyerdahl. Leave it to the venerable Jonathan Frakes to craft an amazing episode of discovery that is all dialogue and every moment is a cliffhanger. Nice. The triumphant ending evokes images from treks of yore and a feeling of hope that nourishes my soul in a time when the future is a little scary. So well-written as per usual. I love it. I love wow. it. Yeah. Jonathan Frakes is just the trekkiest of all of actors and directors that there mm. is. And he, you know, he just pours so much heart into what he does behind the camera and what he gets, you know, out of the actors too. It's, it's, it's quite amazing. And yes, I can, I leave it to the venerable Jonathan Frakes. I definitely agree that, that much of the credit for, for, uh, what we feel from this episode goes to him.
1: Yeah. So much. I mean, he, he just knows that that Star Trek feel absolutely inside and out. Yeah. He knows us and he is one of us,
0: you know? Exactly. Like if you see
1: <laughs> any time he's being interviewed, he's, it's like, you know, he's he's not just, you know, someone who's been in it and worked on it. He is a fan. Yeah. You know, he he knows what it means to, to love the things that we love about Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. So Patrick Carlin says my favorite bit of dialogue from this one. This ship is like a museum piece. Hey museums are cool. That's what someone who lives in a museum would say. <laughs> oh, and also, that's impossible. Nothing could affect all Dilithium all at once. Says a man who flies on a starship through mushroom space. <laughs> also, Captain Saru, finally Yes, those <laughs> are the those are great lines, Patrick. Oh I yeah, I agree. Like Philippa Giorgio's just sassy comebacks through this episode and, like, these last three episodes so far (laughs) has just been... She's
0: too much. She's almost too much.
1: She is a joy. She's wonderful.
0: I'm like, come Like, she's... (laughs) She's messed up. She's so messed up. (laughs) Like, if someone just talked like that in a group, like... Oh, yeah. I would... She wouldn't, like... It's like a record scratch every time she talks. I'm not saying that she doesn't she doesn't serve her purpose, and I'm not saying that I'm not equally obsessed with her, but but it's jacked up. <laughs> it's wrong, so wrong, but so right. Mm. Oh yeah, I did love
1: the um the little uh interaction between um Tilly and Adira. Yes,
0: I I'm Adira obsessed with Adira immediately
1: they're really really fun i i don't know if anyone else is going to mention this but i may as well put it in now so the pronouns i was originally upset to hear everyone using she her pronouns me too for this whole show yeah so i had to jump on to you know twitter and stuff afterwards to to look up blue dalbario themselves and see if they had anything to say about it
0: blue uses they them pronouns they do yes right
1: um and apparently the character adira will okay the reasoning behind this and apparently this was actually um according to a couple of interviews i read it was blue's idea oh. to, to have it like this to, okay. to have it this way so nice because they are 23 i think yeah. and the character is supposed to be 16 so well 16 plus a symbiont so plus is, exactly <laughs> um but they were saying that when they first started filming, they weren't even fully uh, right, out about their right. gender identity.
0: Yeah, I read that Blue said that they weren't even out to most of their friends yeah. when they got the role.
1: Yeah, so uh, they said that they wanted the character's journey to Ooh. sort of mirror their own. So, Oh, I, I love it. Yeah, so I have a feeling that we will have a point later on, hopefully soon, where the character just starts using they, them pronouns instead of she, her. right hopefully it is done in a very organic way uh, yeah. with, without any of that awkwardness around it that we sometimes get all that i have mm-hmm. seen unfortunately
0: with people i know who use uh, they them pronouns yeah. and i mean i'm around them not accepting it i'm totally guilty of misgendering people too you know and using mm-hmm. the wrong wrong pronouns and all of that i think that's something that is that is to be learned and so yeah um, I like you. Every time they said she, her, she, her, I was like, I was like Oh, like stop it, stop it, ah, ugh. every single time because they oh, they did it a lot in that conversation, yeah. Stamets and Tilly, and so I was like, the you're wrong, you're doing it wrong, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I talked about this on what the future holds too. So we talked about that, but I love the idea that we see her journey or their journey from you know using she her pronouns to to what what you know the gender non-binary pronouns that they choose you know yeah and i and that they identify with and i i'm excited to see that story develop and i have a feeling they'll do it uh really tastefully yes same i yeah yeah i mean this is a this i said it on the other show too we got a big old queer starship in our hands and i love it <laughs> yeah i love it and there's gonna uh a,
1: apparently hearing um uh something else that blue mentioned in this interview was that they've kind of got a little bit of this the the queer family going on uh um, right. with you know them and Ian Alexander and obviously with um mhm jet uh,
0: Stamets, Culver. Stamets Culver, uh all yeah. of them you know and and uh, Detmer uh Detmer Emily Coots, yes. she's bi Yeah uh, I believe is she bi I know that she's She just got married she... right I'm not sure. I know girlfriend? that she says that she, she's um, playing the character as right. by Right. She told so. me that when we chatted at STLV, but I don't know. Who knows? Hmm. Whatever. That's cool. I love yeah. it.
1: I also enjoy that uh, currently in the cast, there are no um, straight white human males. There aren't?
0: Well, hmm. I didn't even notice. <laughs> I didn't care.
1: There are you know some uh straight white men playing alien characters but at least amongst the the
0: human oh, wow. cast yeah i didn't even notice that that's awesome i yeah. I, I i i don't care <laughs> i it's interesting
1: for me you know as as a straight white man it i like seeing stories from people with different points of view to mine yeah, because you know i know and like i understand that the media is saturated with experiences of people like me yeah you know so i know how much representation matters mm-hmm. to people of um different life experiences you know sexual gender identities uh or ethnic um backgrounds anything like that and i also think it's really really important for people of uh privilege you know people um who are white or straight cisgender it's so important for us to see these um you know to see other experiences to see that you know our kind of privileged experience is not the only one is not the like the standard or shouldn't be treated as like that's the baseline standard
0: okay can if any of the listeners right now are uh, cis heterosexual white men can you just rewind what Nick just said and listen to it over and over again <laughs> I'm not saying that if you are listeners that you have any type of bias I'm not saying that because we have amazing listeners and commenters but I just want I wish that more straight cis white guys said things like that and realized things like that and I please continue to, to try and show them the way <laughs> I try and of course, I have responsibility too. I am, I am cisgender and I am white, you know. Even though I'm, I'm a homo, so, ah, <laughs> uh, I think that's great, Nick. I think we should just wrap the show now and end on that note. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you so much, thank you. Oh, <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a Star Trek show if we didn't have a question and concern. So we do have just a little bit of one, just from one commenter, and that's that's all you, Nick. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, our one
1: little question here is from Janessa uh, Quijada, who says, Random disconnected thoughts. That better not be the last we see of book and grudge. I really wanted to see a whale breach out of San Francisco Bay. Has Nielsen actually had any lines yet? I don't trust her. At all. I saw When without the mask, uh, and then heard Titan, and wanted to yell, Beltaloda! Oops, wrong show. Wait are is suddenly canon in star trek i mean they're living in a dystopian hellscape among the outer planets and where the f was culver during all of
0: this <laughs> okay yeah so i wanted to see a well breach too i totally thought of that when we got the big pan out and i don't know what belta lauda means
1: oh um oya belta lauda mittenya da belte ericori that is um that's from the expanse Oh, of course it is. Leave it to Janessa. Yeah, the uh, the Belters. The the was one of the oh the Belters. Fascin- yeah, yeah, that's one of right. the most fascinating things from that show is the the people living out sort of in the mining colonies on the asteroid belt Right. who've developed their own kind of Creole language.
0: Yeah, I've seen most of the first season. I think I another show that I haven't finished watching.
1: It's yeah. It so it was there are actually videos with the guy who fully developed this language for the show. Um, and there are, there are little like phrase books and stuff online. So what I just said was, so Belta Lauda is kind of like Belters, but as kind of, it's like saying us, you and me. And it's like, if you are a Belter, you say Belta Lauda to other people from oh, the belt. Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, the phrase I just said was, hello, you know, fellow Belters, uh, I have the belt in my heart. Oh, because that's that they have that really strong uh, sense of community with these. Right.
0: Kind of like frontier fringe. Modern yeah. Colonies. They're more like the outcasts of of society. Yeah. Right. Sort of. Mm. Yeah. OK. Two more things here. Nielsen thoughts. Uh,
1: I think she has had one or two lines. She's
0: definitely had lines. She did
1: last season, too. I don't know if I don't trust her. I'm just... I'm really fascinated by why the character is there. It's... I, I'm wondering what's happening with it. Because, of course, it's the same actor who was playing uh,
0: Arium. Or the in first, season one. Yeah, Arium in season one. Mm-hmm. I So, Janessa, I will say that I have had moments, especially in season two, to where I felt some negative feelings toward Nielsen. And I think it's because Arium's gone. And like, she just came in and took her place on the bridge that day. Mm. And I was like, so like for the rest of season two, every time I saw her, it was just like hashtag not Arium to me, even though she did play Arium in the first season. So, and we don't really know the details about why, but obviously there was a situation to where they wanted her to continue in in the crew and so i don't know i think it might be it might be shaded by the arium loss and then nielsen came along after that for me i'm not saying that's true for you janessa
1: yeah i mean i think i i kind of feel that way as well like i really even though we didn't really get much of her i really liked arium i really liked I the idea of that character yeah um, yeah and I'm i'm still sad that we i am know, too lost her in that episode like i think she was just she was really good for the when did i use this this term that like the visual diversity of the crew
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: like if you look at all of the other you know like cast photos or like crew photos in camp in in their costumes and everything from the other series there's always like one or two that really stand out right for, like you know data with this sort of very like gold silvery like android skin tone and morph mm-hmm. with his like makeup and neelix everything. yeah like, Arium was like that for Discovery. It's just this for robotic face that really stands out amongst the rest of yeah. the crew. So, Someone that's, like,
0: like very different than what yeah. we're used to seeing. Yeah. And, yeah, I complained about not seeing Culber in this episode, too. Mm. Where the F was Culber when Michael came back on. Yeah. Doing an Andorian selectomy again <laughs> for the CMO. Another one. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to a couple of final thoughts. And we'll start off with Karen Hasha, who is in Germany. And I know that because I just mailed her fan sets, Michael Burnham season three pinned to her. Hopefully oh, cool. it gets there. Karen, let me know uh, when it does. Take a little pick and, and tweet us. Karen says, Oh, God, Earth brexiting the Federation makes me so mad. <laughs> and I did not see it coming. <laughs> I love that <laughs> Brexiting. I love that it's about a verb. Mm. I love the new Michael. Well, you will even more now when you get the pin. She's much more relaxed and seems to be really comfortable with herself. I'm looking forward to seeing her relationship with Sarugro as well as her relationship with Giorgio. I'm sensing some tension there. It's going to be interesting. I'm excited to learn more of Adira's story. I hope they go to Trill next week. Well, Karen, I think that we are going to troll next week, according to the the next up on Discovery preview. Yeah,
1: I think so. And I think we're actually getting, finally, a lot more of Colbert next week as well, which will be nice.
0: Oh, good. Good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brexiting Earth the Federation. Brexiting the Federation. That's, oh, dear. That's a good one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I really like um, the character growth of Michael as well. Yeah, um, It's like her, her, like Karen says, her relationship with Giorgio. I also really, really love her relationship or her growing relationship with Book. Yeah. Because it's just, it's so nice. And I mean, I, I find him as a character and this relationship in general much more compelling than the Michael and Ash Tyler relationship.
0: Yeah, I can see like,
1: I, I liked Ash. He seemed like a fine character. I, didn't to me it always felt like he and michael didn't really have much chemistry which is weird and there's nothing on the actors at all cuz i know that they're both really good so yeah i i think that this here with you know with michael and book especially showing their um the little flashbacks of them and then talking about you know the little adventures and stuff they've been on over the past year It was so so sweet and so
0: cute i think that i i did feel the chemistry between between ash and burnham and i was very sad with how that all ended up and i cried when they said goodbye Mm. i feel like i look at ash as her i mean ash was her first love you know ash was her first literally her first and so Mm. That's always, you know, if I look back at my first boyfriend, I'm like, there's no way I would have ever ended up with this guy. <laughs> you know, I, w- I mean, like, I, it just, it, but, you know, at the time, it felt very yeah. important and very, re- it was real. It was just real in a different way than who I am now. And, uh, you know, I think now with book, Michael's had her heart broken mm. in like some really horrible ways. I mean, he tried to kill her. Ash did, yeah. and so i think that michael is 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 in control of where the relationship's going and she's she, i think her boundaries are very clear and but i think there's i mean obviously there's amazing chemistry and definitely mutual attraction mm. oh you yeah know. and <laughs> when... but she swat she swaps it away a little bit i think in yeah. this episode which i really respect
1: I think one of my favorite little moments was when Giorgio first meets him and it's and it's like overprotective mom yeah. meeting, you know, the new the new boyfriend for the first time.
0: Right. But Giorgio knows that Michael is not the same Michael that she yeah. was yesterday literally for mm. Giorgio. And I think that that makes her sad because Michael's had a whole year to grow and to become stronger and to deal with a lot of crazy stuff going on, to, to visit with some of her darker sides, obviously, to get by and to learn things about this new world. And I don't think that Michael is... Not that Giorgio ever controlled her or you know was able to manipulate her, but I feel like she's further away from her now because of that experience in that year. And Giorgio is very sensitive to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's very good. And it's uh I'm so excited to see just where where every character is going yeah in this in this show.
0: I'm really excited to know what we're gonna do with Giorgio because we're gonna have to get her out of the picture somehow for the section thirty one show eventually. Yeah. So I want I'm really excited to see how that all happens. Mm. Yeah, because I am really excited to see a Section Thirty One show. Oh, me too. Me too. <laughs> I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm I'm all about it. It's gonna be a spy thriller. It's gonna be a Star Trek spy thriller. Like, what's not to like? Talk about dark. Talk about dark Star Trek. That's that's yeah. where we're really gonna go dark.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which which I'm fine with. Because Absolutely. Those were some of my favorite things from. Uh, like, even from Deep Space Nine, like, my favorite Deep Space Nine episode is in the Pale Moonlight, and that yeah. gets very dark. hmm Yeah, I love, I love it. Okay. Joshua Drees says, What an outstanding episode. I was worried they would find Earth destroyed or some kind of blasted hellscape. <laughs> I'm loving the new tone of this season. Even when things seem hopeless, it's never bleak. No matter how chaotic the universe has gotten, Earth is still united, joined by a common purpose. Rebuilding the Federation no longer feels like an impossible task. Let's do this.
0: Let's do it, Joshua.
1: That is such a good comment. Yeah. Even when things seem hopeless, it's never bleak. I I know. I love that. And that's like, that's how I'm trying to keep myself feeling about the real world now. So Yes. That's yeah. That's just, that's what we all need to be.
0: If you're listening to this episode uh, and you're a U.S. citizen, today is Monday and tomorrow is election day. So we've got a lot, a lot coming up. And uh, yeah, I hope that you voted. (laughs) I mean, it's important. I like I really like that. Even when that, like what you said, even when things even when things seem hopeless, it's never bleak. So there's a lot of tests going on and it's it's a very hard time Hmm. to stay hopeful but it's really about keeping that hope and that faith alive inside of us. And yeah. I see that in this series so far, in these episodes. And it's like I said earlier, you don't you can't really appreciate the light without the darkness. Mm-hmm. Which is why I don't have a problem with Star Trek going into darker themes, into the darker side of humanity, into our dealing with our demons, because it is by getting to know those things and integrate them that we can truly appreciate the light. And then we know what we're fighting for and what we're fighting against, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, I always feel like, you know, any any story like Star Trek that is trying to portray a utopian vision of the future, it it has to show how we get there from here and how we maintain that against... Right. Either external or internal kind of forces of, Mm -hmm. you know, forces of darkness, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) sounding very kind of over the top, but...
0: Yeah, but Star Trek was, it was never, it was never a perfect society. It wasn't just Mm. everybody always happy, running around in a spaceship, making friends everywhere. There were always issues that they were dealing with. Always. Every single episode. If everything was perfect, there wouldn't be a series. Exactly. There wouldn't be a Star Trek.
1: Yeah, and... If you ever think that you've reached utopia and that everything's perfect, you're going to stop trying and then it's it's going to stagnate.
0: You left a comment like that on a previous episode once. I think I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it was when I was still doing postcards. Maybe it was during Picard or something. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, it might have been. Yeah. Or a it was... short trek. No, it must have been Picard. I, I'm sure it was for,
1: for one of the early episodes of Picard, yeah. And it is yeah. exactly that feeling that, like,
0: it was about complacency and, you know, utopia yeah, and complacency, something and like that.
1: What, what was the exact phrase? Utopia is an exercise in stagnation?
0: Something like, yes, yes, I, yes. I
1: know I, w- I was sort of quoting or paraphrasing that from somewhere else, but I cannot remember where it was. It was something very, very much like that, yeah. Yeah, but it is exactly that. It's if, yeah, you, you can never stop working to improve society, you know, if, uh, if if you're trying to go for anything, even approaching like a kind of perfect utopian kind of world, you can't ever stop trying to achieve that.
0: Right. Yeah, I love it. Well, that brings us to the uh, to the end of our comments this week. And uh, wow, what a great conversation, as usual, <laughs> Nick. Thanks for coming on. Oh, Thank you for having me. What do you think of everybody's thoughts?
1: I thought it was really good. I thought we got like some really, really um, insightful comments. It seems like everyone really enjoyed this episode. I think the the biggest thing I got is everyone is, enjoy- is enjoying the characters and the moments between them and kind of where all of this character growth
0: is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just like, bring on the next episode. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> well, tell our listeners where they can find you. Well,
1: uh, you can find me on this network hosting the Vedic Assembly, our Deep Space Nine podcast. I host that with Liam Smart and uh, Brandy Jackler, who is, of course, uh, Chris's co-host on What the Future Holds. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Punk Zoologist
0: uh, and also on Instagram at Punk Rock Zoologist. Awesome. Well, as usual, it's always fun talking track with you and reading the comments so thanks again for coming on and love to have you back again sometime i love to be back thanks so much for having
1: me this is it's always so much fun to to come on and and read up everyone else's comments and see what everyone else thinks of uh each of these episodes Uh, it's really fun to to have this community that we've that we've got going on here
0: yeah agreed You can join the Open Channel conversation on Twitter and Facebook by following us at OpenChannelTrek and by joining our listeners group on Facebook by typing The Nexus into the search field. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CDLittleField. Keep an eye out for my Open Channel conversation threads on Facebook and Twitter, which I will post every Thursday right before each new Star Trek episode drops. Thanks for listening to Open Channel. Channel open, standing by. Leave it to Jonathan Frakes. This show is brought to you by Sweet Media. Computer, list other available Sweet Media programs. Loading Sweet Preview Program for The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast.
1: I did kind of like the idea that he had the armory to work in. That was like his main mm-hmm. his main workspace, I guess. I found that quite different and that excited me. I think they kind of moved away from that a little bit as the show went on.
0: Yeah, as we went on.
1: It definitely appeared more in the... First season, I think, and maybe the second. Then it did the later ones. Did you ever become attached to Malcolm as a character?
0: I wouldn't necessarily say attached, but I always I enjoyed most of the the times that he was on screen and interacting with the rest of the crew. For me, I was I was more attached to Trip. So yeah, yeah. I guess I guess it makes sense that you and I are doing a podcast together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loading Hollow Sweet preview program for there are four questions a Star Trek Spotlight podcast that felt pretty cool. And that's when I, I really, really started connecting with Star Trek when I was actually here and on, on the level of creator as opposed to fan. So that
1: was where I started getting it. was like, hey, I could do this. I remember writing. I sent this letter to him. I wrote to um, Eric Stillwell before I moved to, to Los
0: Angeles and asked about the, the rules for submitting the script and all that stuff. And then I had this idea, never heard back from him loading Sweet preview program for ladies trek library women with a passion for star trek books one of the reasons i was excited to read this book was because it's called uhura's song and we don't get a lot of books where uhura is a main character um and she was my favorite character from the original series so i was excited to see a book about her
1: and i and i like how and i was thinking about the uh the broadway play cats because they kind of used cat names that that reminded me of the names in this book so and and this book was written in 85 so it could have been inspired by cats in that way computer deactivate hollow suite